Welcome to the Playmaker Podcast, a podcast for people who want to sell differently. Playmakers wage war against traditional sales and win. Remember, success is just one play away. All right, everybody, you might be noticing a little bit of a name change today. No more sales acceleration, out with the old, in with the new. We are the Playmaker Podcast. Why Playmaker? Why not sales acceleration? You know, truthfully, I didn't want sales acceleration that much to begin with. I I don't mind it. Um, I've been racking my brain for a long time on what I feel would be best for this podcast. I had a great conversation with a gentleman by the name of Mike Taylor. And we were brainstorming, um, you know, different names, different movements. Uh, and, you know, we thought sales hacker, you know, I like those guys. That's obviously taken. Hacker, though, you know, hacker's kind of old school a little bit, you know, it's a little overused now. Some didn't really want to do that. I liked Rainmaker, but, you know, Rainmaker, hmm. I mean, that maybe wasn't the best, but with Maker. And then all of a sudden, you know, he said uh, Playmaker, and I just thought that lightning bolt hit it. And I said, boom, let's do it. Uh, And Playmaker was born. So why, uh, you know, that's the why. So what what is a Playmaker? Um, You know, Playmaker's... I, I put down a couple notes. I'd be interested to hear you guys' feedback. Um, so I like the idea of playmakers being a new type of salesperson, right? Um, I like them that they're not using their gut and intuition. They're using science and testing. I like playmakers who ask forgiveness rather than permission. Playmakers, they don't oversell and underdeliver. They oversell and overdeliver. Their middle name is value. This is good. This is pretty good. Um, playmakers are doers, not talkers. Playmakers are real people who have overcome real problems to achieve greatness. So um, my, my quick version was, look, a playmaker says, I test, you guess. I use science, you use your gut. I have a playbook, you throw Hail Marys. I'm the CEO of my territory. You are assigned a territory. I do whatever it takes. You do your best, and I change the world. You change your pay. Remember, success is just one play away. So, yeah, that is uh, Playmakers. Um, I think it resonates a lot with what we do here at InsideSales.com. It's what uh, um, um, we've been doing, focusing more on as leaders, uh, salespeople, who are changing the world uh, one step at a time, one play at a time. So I hope you like the change um, because it's going to stick at least for a while (laughs) until I get ADD to change it again. But with that, we have a fantastic guest today. We got another great episode. Um, You know, as always, you know, times, uh, there's always fun stuff going on in the sales acceleration space. But uh, I think this time, I've been real interested in uh, this company called Prospect Cloud. I think they offer a lot. And we've got a special guest, um, Dove Hirsch. Am I saying that right, Dove? 
you've got it perfectly. I mean, I think that's a first that someone's got it right the first time. <laughs> it's probably because we had talked once before, but um, appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, Dove, and uh, some of the cool things you guys are doing over there at uh, Prospect Cloud. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate it. This is uh, I've been looking forward to speaking with you in this capacity, Gabe. Um, so my background, my background, I, I guess working backwards, I've been uh, spending probably the better part of, oh, I don't know, decade, decade and a half, predominantly in the healthcare space. Uh, I've been uh, building organizations, uh, uh, working with turnaround organizations and venture capital, private equity, um, but really focused on growth, growth transition, change management or as it relates to growth. Uh, for organizations and sales forces. Interesting. And and how did you end up at uh, Prospect Cloud? And what 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 are what, what do you guys do over? What exactly do you guys do over there? Yeah. No. Prospect Cloud. Actually, funny enough, uh, I had worked with Prospect Cloud as a client, and so um, working in the marketing and ad space as it relates to healthcare, we had worked with Prospect Cloud to effectively source, build, customize different audiences for, for different purposes, anywhere from market segmentation, product testing, um, reviews, to actually filling the funnel for different sales forces in a B2B environment. So I've been actually working with them uh, for a number of years. And at the end of 2015, I had uh, exited a business in healthcare IT consulting. And after about three months, uh, my wife basically said, you need to leave the house. And uh, basically, I'd reached out and become really, really good friends with uh, the CEO over there, Oren. And uh, he and I had talked about essentially uh, working and collaborating to build his organization even further. Prospect Cloud, um, it's interesting. It's a relatively little-known brand, but the organization's been around for just a little over 10 years. And so the organization was looking to essentially capitalize on what's been happening in the uh, the sales ecosystem, right? Something that that inside sales has very much been pioneering. Many other technology organizations have been uh, leading the charge on. And so we found a unique opportunity to actually help organizations really hone in and define exactly who they should be speaking to, not necessarily who they are speaking to. Yeah, and so you were a client and actually jumped on board and uh, are now wearing a couple hats. So chief strategy officer, CEO, you you do do a couple things over there, but you liked it enough, you decided to jump on board. Yeah, so it's been quite frankly, I mean, there's really, in my experience at least, the one key ingredient that's determined success in an organization, especially one basically on the brink of explosive growth, has been. Is it a learning organization or not? Mm. Right. And that, that, that can come in many different forms, but, but it, the requisite has to be from the top down. And so Oren had set really a culture, just I think by his very nature, that always interested in learning and evolving and doing things better and better and better over time and in an environment where there's really, <laughs> there's no sacred cows. Um, there's no there's no method that has been adopted that anyone would ever say, this is the way we do it. And this is the way we will always do it. Uh, and so that in and of itself was enough to actually pique my interest to jump on board. Um, and it's been a phenomenal ride ever since. 
Interesting. And you've been there now um, 18 months-ish? Yeah, just going on two years. A couple of years. Interesting. Well, I want to dive in. I mean, you've obviously got a rich background. I wanted to talk about this idea of you know, growing your business and practical ways to do that. Um, but before we do, can you tell us uh, one unique thing about yourself, something outside of work that you do? Oh, I don't know how, I don't know how unique it is. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I, I, I think I love as much as I enjoy cycling, I enjoy really good beer. Um, and so, uh, those two things combined, um, you pretty much got me. Uh, but outside of that, um, you know, I, uh, I also work with a large group of organizations, nonprofit organizations. Uh, I, uh, um, am very, very fortunate to actually lead the board for a, uh, refugee resettlement organization here in Nashville and, uh, very proud of the work that we're doing in that capacity. Yeah. I love, uh, love the Nashville area. I can't blame you for spending time out there. Uh, great people, great culture, great landscape. Um, so l- let's talk briefly about this practical way to grow your business. I mean, you and I had discussed a little before, um, a lot of people go at this um, maybe the wrong way. They they dive into a technology piece or they want to find kind of the short or quick answer. But there is a better way to start thinking through a strategic way to grow your business. Can you kind of enlighten us as the way you found it to be successful in, in your career and, and also here at Prospect Cloud? Sure, sure. Um, I, I think uh, it, obviously it varies, right? Depends on the industry that you're in, who you sell to. Um, what the what the trending uh, what the changing trends may be, but something that's always worked well for me, and it may not work for everyone, but is is to think about things in a at, at a at a root level, and organizations, whether you're talking about a small business, mid market enterprise, regardless, they're organ they're organisms. They're they're comprised of individuals, like people first and foremost, and when you want to grow something you want to change. And quite frankly, people don't really do change very well by our very nature, I don't think. Um, That's been my experience. And so unfortunately, I think oftentimes a lot of growth growth initiatives either try to force too much change too quickly across too large a set of people. And I think oftentimes it's the natural inclination for those people to actually dig their heels in, not, not to adopt that change. And so my experience has really illustrated that when you want to grow top line, you want to grow bottom line. Nowadays, we have so many tools at our fingertips. I think it's imperative to actually think about how those tools, how those resources are going to best equip the people that are prepared to utilize them, to engage with them, to learn from them, Um, and, and, and to do so at the right time and at the right place. It may seem obvious. But oftentimes, an, you know, a, a purchasing decision may be made on one side of the organization that then rolls out across the entire and, and simply put, it just does not line up. And so as a result, you have the inability either to capture value, to create value, uh, or you actually lose value in the, in the end. So... Um... Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, if, if you're coaching an org, I mean, is it best to start with the people or wh- where do you kind of start thinking about you guys want growth, growth's a big buzzword. You got to get the people right first. I mean, do you slip into some of these habits of going in the wrong direction? 
Well, I think you want to set the stage to some degree. So, so who? Very few organizations don't want growth. Um, maybe a mom and pop or cottage industry of some type. They're they're looking to stay exactly where they may be, and the market may simply not even tolerate that. In fact, right, stagnation may result in elimination. But those who are intentional about wanting to grow, they need to be communicating that across their organization. They need to help other people understand with a certain degree of transparency and intent of what all this is about. Why are we doing things differently? Why are we adopting new processes? Why are we introducing new people to the organization? Why are we investing in tools and technology when we've never really done that before? Because people get comfortable. Yeah. And so I think helping them understand why this matters and how it affects them on a one-to-one basis, but also as a departmental and organization-wide basis, yes, absolutely. Start with the people and communicate about that. Yeah. Um, so, and then I think it's all – sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, this is just – this is a big problem in the space. Um, I mean, it's a big problem probably anywhere, right? I mean, you, you start a new program, you buy new technology, you start a new initiative, you, you bring in a new trainer – or, or training, you know, um, adoption often doesn't happen. And fundamentally, people don't think enough about this idea of, you know, change management, for lack of better terms, and communicate, m- making sure that people get bought in. You know, a lot of these people, especially millennials, they struggle being told exactly what to do. It's great to kind of get some buy-in and make sure they understand why. Uh, just to double click on that, have you found some effective methods to do that? I mean, is it simply as easy as having that session around why we are doing this, or have you found some other things that really help in that scenario? It's never, it's never easy. So, so no matter what, you, you can be an, the the greatest change agent in the world, and you can lead the most rigid people um, through enormous change, but it's never easy. So, so, so we should never use the word easy as it relates to these types of things. But what I will say is this, it starts there. Once you have that communication and then you're going to start getting feedback, right? It's going to be two way. You're going to start to assess, okay, who's on board for this? Who is embracing this change? Who may be on the fence? Who is resisting? And then you have options. And once you start to understand who's going to add value to the next iteration of the organization and who's going to help you get there, um, who may be a roadblock, um, either intentionally or unintentionally, you can pull a number of levers. But it does start with that communication. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily easy, but it's got to be that two-way. It's not just opening up the session and, and, and sharing your intent, but also listening, hearing that feedback. Because oftentimes I think that there are a number of people, not everyone, but there are a number of people who may or are likely to say, I wasn't really on board with this at the, at, at the outset, but, but I'm going to give this a chance and I'm going to see where this takes us. And I think that we need to rely on those individuals. It also varies from organization to organization in terms of its life cycle and what are the drivers, right? So are you an early stage tech company who just received a series A or a series B and your, <laughs> your family of investors are really pushing to hit a deadline, right? So, that, so speed is always going to be a variable that you need to be mindful of. And also the stakeholders that are driving that agenda are something you need to be mindful of. Got it. So that's going to have an impact as well. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, um, it just seems like, you know, I, I don't know why that's an often misstep. Why, why do you feel, I mean, organizations seem to, to jump to the shiny object. They, they forget this kind of fundamental step of, of, you know, getting, getting the group, uh, 
part of the strategy and getting the strategy in place. Is it just because of that it is uh, shiny objects, or what, what's the reason organizations typically miss this this part of the the equation? You know, that's a good question. I don't know if if it's intentional or not. Um, I think that sometimes it doesn't even matter. Meaning, uh, we need to hit a target. Whether you need to lay off 50% of your workforce or not, that's not really a concern to me. You're the operator, I'm the investor. Not every investor operates that way. I don't mean to, to make it out to be the case, but I do think that we need to take a step back and listen and think, okay, we have different stakeholders now. Um, we have new people who are part of what, what it is that we're trying to build, who have a, perhaps a different vision. Let's make sure that as best we can, there's alignment. So I don't know that it's necessarily intentional or not, but I do think it simply becomes a speed issue. Yeah, speed. I mean, do, do you feel like, um, so as, as organizations start to nail this concept down, they, they get the, the why communicated and they start to get the buy-in of some of their constituents, where do you see as the next logical step if you want to get this predictable growth or this pragmatic way to getting you from kind of A to B? Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, of course, it depends on industry. I'll say my experience in healthcare in particular. So before, but you know, pre-prospect cloud, so to speak, but in the healthcare industry, it's, it's, um, it's highly indicative of other industries that tend to be laggards in terms of their adoption of technology, right? So um, there's, there's all kinds of interesting, fascinating science going on at the therapy level, right? Medical devices, pharmaceuticals, et cetera. But for the most part, um, healthcare service providers, hospitals, for instance, have been pretty slow to adopt technology to really improve efficiencies at scale. And so a good example here would be um, organizations where they, they thrive and run on process. Um, they rely on process so much that in fact, it becomes hard to shift and adjust those processes uh, over time. However, that process really lends itself well to technology. Uh, building in a process that you can, you can execute on, you can replicate, okay, and then you can scale on, quite frankly, is simply a manual way of delivering a technology solution. And so once you can nail that down, Okay, generate revenue, demonstrate to the market that there's a significant buyer or buyers out there for what it is that you deliver in terms of impact, then the technology can come into play, right? It can optimize exactly what you've already uncovered, what you've demonstrated the market is, is, is dying for, right? It's willing to pay you and pay you profitably to do so. And once you can accomplish that, then the technology really lends itself well to optimize, scale, accelerate um, in a way where most of your your stakeholders inside the organization, the people who are delivering services, delivering product, uh, developing product, uh, they're already on board, right? Right now, it's, it's effectively leveraging the technology that they're excited about to really blow this thing out of the water. Yeah. Um, the, the problem that I find, though, is that it's, you know, so you, you get some of this in place and you start to work, but, and this is where I feel like you guys potentially are, are the expert here, but really nailing down who, who is your target audience? How, how do you get in touch with them? How do you, um, what, what does ideal look like? Uh, how do we get the most information about them and then matching our messaging to it? 
you know, sometimes that that becomes extremely difficult. I'm curious um, if you've got any tips on on, on this point where our reps spend so much time wasting trying to figure out who to go after and the messaging that may land with them and the contacts associated with that. I know that's been a business you guys have really focused on. Thoughts on how companies can think through tightening that down so that they can actually get to their ideal customer or their ideal prospect and win that business. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, if I walk into an organization and I, I often start speaking with a VP of sales, head of sales, that's VP, uh, you know, my what I hear from them is often <laughs> almost in stark contrast to what I hear from a sales ops, a head of sales ops. It's really interesting because what, what, what is top of mind often for the SVP or the person who's in charge of top line revenue is actually different than the pain that the sales ops director is feeling on a day-to-day basis. Sales ops directors are hearing from the sales force. I mean, quite frankly, about all of the challenges and problems associated. Um, well, just one example will be with how come my data is so bad, right? My lead data is terrible. And so oh, everybody. we recently engaged. Every, I mean, it's it, 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 quite frankly universal. Uh, and so, so we recently engaged with an organization that it was funny what we heard it, it was one of the few times we heard this is a, a fortune 100 company it's one of the few times we heard from an svp of sales uh and 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 the reason he wanted to engage with us he loved what it is that we did in terms of data accuracy and he loved what he did what we did in terms of data relevance right pinpointing the actual audience that's most likely to be receptive to their message but the number one thing and we didn't anticipate this the number one thing number one reason that we engaged with them was they did not want to hear from their sales force how bad the data was ever again. <laughs> they just did not want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it's that. It's just always to the them, excuse, right? It's always the excuse. That's, it's, yeah, well, that's how, he, that's how he heard it. And I don't know whether or not mm. it, it, you know, it, it was an excuse or if it was real. We all know it's real regardless because data, quite frankly, it's dynamic. It changes over time. So as pristine as a database may be, as pristine as a target market may be, um, give it a few months, right? It'll, it, it'll change. But, and, and that's, it's changing faster and faster than ever before. I think working with them, what's, what's given us an edge is really in listening to what these different sales organizations have to deal with. Uh, you know, I often talk about alignment and the alignment isn't just about the products, the services, the value prop. It's actually what the sales organization is capable of. And so as much as we do a deep dive on, on persona development and ideal customer profiling and market segmentation, and we do all of that, we actually spend a lot of time profiling our clients. We want to know what they're capable of. What does their sales stack look like? How big is their sales force? How geographically dispersed is it? Um, who, who, um, what is the demographic makeup of their sales force? Are they millennials? Um, uh, we actually have gone into looking at some of the CEB Insights research on Challenger, right? So looking at what style of salesperson they find to be most effective uh, for their organization. The reason being is once we can find that alignment, we can actually not only 
generate an audience, a specific audience for that business or business unit, but we can actually segment it and then distribute and help distribute and advise those sales directors, those ops directors on how to handle lead distribution. Okay. So, so it, it, it goes all the way down to a granular level in a given sales force when we start to look at who are the top performers, who is performing, yet you'd like to turn into a top performer, mm. all these pieces. And for, for us, so people look at us and we're in the data space, but we know really what we're doing is we're trying to set people up for success. So, so anyone can just hand deliver data. Anyone can, can, can aggregate information, but to actually take it and make it not only relevant, but useful, impactful, contextualize it, not only for the, the target market and the product, but the person who is responsible for taking that lead data and turning it into a paying customer. That's really, I think, where the rubber meets the road that a lot of other organizations may not spend enough time on. Mm, yeah, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard for organizations to to yeah to get in and I think do that the right way. Um, any tips on on if if you were an organization, you were you were beginning this journey. You know, first you establish that foundation and make sure you get your people behind it. But as you start thinking about getting an ideal customer, or working towards that goal, any tips or tactics you'd recommend? Well, I think for the, you know, I'd look at it differently, uh, depending if, if you fall into sort of a small mid market or upper end of the market. Okay. So for a small business, usually you're coming into an organization and they're looking for some level of moderate growth, relatively speaking, but they don't have the data about their organization to actually map what should be an ideal customer. So they're, they're starting out a little bit behind the curve, right? Whereas a mid-market or a larger enterprise, they've had a CRM, for instance, for, for a while. And we're starting to see some of that change on the lower end of the market simply because there's a lot more entrance into the CRM space that are directly developing for that audience. But quite frankly, they don't have the data. So they need to get their, their information about their customer base. Uh, and that becomes, I think, a real challenge. So we tend to focus more there. There's a steeper learning curve. Once you're at the middle end of the market to the upper, it really becomes a focus issue often at times, right? So different business units within the organization are going to be focused on different things. So helping them understand how to make the most of an organization or a service like ours where they don't need a single persona. They need what we often call multiple persona uh, disorder, right? So, right? so thinking about many different segments and, and, and how they can address them. Oftentimes, the other, I think, the, the other issue, and, and you, you all may see this as well, is that it's shifting from a mindset of, of volume to accuracy, Larger organizations, right, I think, right. have been Quali- in the quality over quantity. Mark- yeah, totally. Yeah, they've been in the volume-driven shotgun spray and pray approach for decades, <laughs> not centuries. And so, and so, it's so fascinating because we'll talk about high quality, high yield, high return, and so they love the idea of that oftentimes, but they're not going to stop doing what they've always done. They may supplement it or augment it a little bit. Um, and that's where we start to see things. So I think that there's two pieces. If I could say to, to every, every fortune one to five, that 100 to 5,000 company 
out there, it would be, it would be, do not be afraid or, or do not feel as though you need to hold on to your database forever just because you've, you've thrown in good money after bad for a very long time. Know that that data is dynamic, that much of it may in fact not only be not enabling you to capture value of the market, but actually wasting time. Um, and so don't worry about, about what you already have. Sometimes it's really beneficial to start thinking about being fresh and new. And then also do not hesitate to be targeted. Um, there, we're living in this golden age of marketing and in data and information. And so people and organizations that are having a hard time capitalizing on our ability to effectively target a small, highly relevant audience, I think they need to, to rethink the culture that's enabled them to get where they are today because things are changing. And what's, the, what's true today is not going to necessarily be true tomorrow. Yes. I mean, that's, that's certainly in our world, right? I mean, you think you got it figured out, but as soon as you do, boom, things change and you get the carpet pulled out from under you. Uh, this world's all about disruption. The guy who can do it the faster, cheaper, better is always going to be nipping at your heels. Well, um, though, really appreciate the conversation. Interesting to think about really laying the foundation and then thinking through how to how to tactically get into your optimal buyers. I mean, problems that we're all facing, like some of your recipe for, for success here. Uh, in closing, any uh, it could be to do with kind of what we've talked about today or outside of that. Is there a principle... Um, that you kind of live by or you, you coach sales or marketing leaders to live by if they want to see this growth or they want to transform their business? Anything come to mind? Well, I think that, um, you know, I, I love the adage, fail fast, fail often. Um, that's something that, uh, that we certainly try to do. It's something that's worked well for me. Um, and I, I, I think that uh, salespeople and sales leaders that are able to effectively listen um, and also drive change. I think that, that, quite frankly, that is a requirement today for any size organization if you're in a sales leadership role. Whether you're the CEO, the founder, the head of sales, um, you need to be able to effectively drive change. Yeah, love it. If someone wants to get a hold of you or uh, learn a little bit more about Prospect Cloud, where, where can they go? Yeah, uh, please. Uh, just head on over to uh, pri- uh, prospect-cloud.com. Uh, and they can uh, they can reach myself. They can reach just about anyone right f- uh, right from that uh, launch pad. But um, yeah, we uh, we'd love to help in any way we can. Um, and Gabe, it's, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Yo, man, really appreciate the conversation. So for the audience, uh, thanks so much to Dove. Um, interesting topic at hand, but we'll leave you at that. Say so let's let's get at it.